Amen, amen. I'm so thankful for this worship team and uh, for their the gifts and abilities that God's given them and uh, for their willingness to serve. Um, as you saw, as we said earlier, we today we lit the candle of of love and um, and definitely. Like through Christ's coming as a baby and his perfect life and his death on a cross and his resurrection to new life that accomplished all the parts of all the things of salvation for us. That certainly is evidence of God's love. But I want to show you this morning that that's not the only act of love evidence to humanity through this story. In fact, it's, it's the people in which God chooses to take part in this narrative that I believe shows God's love the most. First, I want to look at two ladies at the very beginning of the story. In Luke's account of the gospel of Jesus, before we ever meet Mary and Joseph, we're introduced to a couple, Elizabeth and Zechariah. We find out later Elizabeth is a relative of Mary, but Luke says this about him in verse 5 of chapter 1. In the days of King Herod of Judea, there was a priest of Abijah's division named Zechariah, and his wife was from the daughters of Aaron, and her name was Elizabeth. Both were righteous in God's sight, living without blame according to all the commands and requirements of the Lord. But they had no children because Elizabeth could not conceive and both of them were well along in years. Um, I'm, I'm no Greek scholar or nor am I an English scholar, but just to translate for you, well along in years means old. It's, it's a kind way of saying it. But as we see this story continue, this couple who's well along in years actually do conceive a child. And her angel tells Zechariah to name him John. And he becomes a great preacher, and he's actually the preacher who paves the way for the ministry of Jesus. We call him here at East John the Baptizer. And it's here that God opens the womb of a woman of great age, all to allow her to be part of his plan for humanity. Then we need to meet a lady named Mary, and Mary was anything but well along in years. Most scholars believe her to be a mere teenager, a young teenager who was engaged to a, a man named Joseph. And we read this, we've already read it throughout our, our time in Advent, but Luke 1 verse 30, the angel told her, do not be afraid, Mary, for you have found favor with God. Now listen, you will conceive and give birth to a son and you will name him Jesus and he will be great and will be called the son of the most high and the Lord God will give him the throne of his father David. He will reign over the house of Jacob forever and his kingdom will have no end. You see this, uh, a humble young teen with no expectation to be used by God, yet God steps in and shows his love to her and allows her to be part of this. When we look at both of these women together, Elizabeth and then Mary, what we see is that God's radical love goes beyond age and circumstance. You see, God's radical love for these two women had nothing to do with their ability to do anything for Him. One was barren and one was not yet married. Yet God stepped into both of them, into both of their situations and their circumstances and their ages and showed them that He loved them and wanted to use them as part of His plan for humanity. That's a great radical love. But there's more going on here. Then we, we look at the shepherds. We talked about them last week, but they were the first ones that hear this news of the Savior and one angel comes to them in the middle of the field while they're keeping watch over their, their flocks and the angel says that today in the city of David, a, 
the Savior has been born. But after that happens, this happens. Luke 2, verse 13. Suddenly there was a multitude of the heavenly hosts along with this angel praising God and saying, Glory to God in the highest heaven and peace on earth to people He favors. When the angels had left them and returned to heaven, the shepherds said to one another, Let's go straight to Bethlehem and let's see what has happened which the Lord has made known to us. So they hurried off and found both Mary and Joseph and the baby who was lying in the manger. And after seeing them, they reported the message they were told about this child. And all who heard it were amazed at what the shepherds said to them. But Mary was just treasuring up all these things in her heart and meditating on them. And the shepherds returned, glorifying and praising God for all the things they had seen and heard, which were just as they had been told. You see, these shepherds witnessed something incredible in the field that not all of us would have been blown away to see what they saw. Not only to speak, to, to have an angel speak to them, but then a sky full of warriors of light declaring God's goodness and praising Him. They witnessed it with their eyes. But then they got to witness something even more incredible. To go and stand beside a manger where the Savior of the world lay. Jesus Himself. Why did God? Why did God choose these shepherds to declare this message to? It was certainly not because shepherds were revered or popular. Shepherds were often loners. They were smelly. They were often outcasts of society. But that's exactly who God chose here. And it's because God's radical love goes beyond prestige and popularity. But there's another group of people that Matthew tells us that get to see Jesus. They don't actually come to Bethlehem. They, they make the trip a while later. Sorry to ruin your nativity scenes. It's okay, keep them up. But the wise men probably came much later, after Mary and Joseph had left Bethlehem. But either way, these men, these wise men who come were important. They were learned men. They were a stark contrast to the shepherds. However, they had one knock against them. They were foreigners. Matthew 2, verses 1 and 2. After Jesus was born in Bethlehem of Judea in the days of King Herod, wise men from the east arrived in Jerusalem saying, Where is he who has been born King of the Jews? For we saw a star at its rising and have come to worship him. So the biblical authors to this point have gone out of their way to explain the Jewishness of Mary, of Joseph, of Zechariah, and of Elizabeth. But there's no denying that this bunch, how many ever it was, of these wise men who come from the east, they're not locals. In fact, they're coming from the east, which oftentimes means trouble in the storyline of the Bible, but God invites them in as well. In this culture that's very proud of its heritage and can often ignore the importance of those outside their own nationality, these wise men who come are not the people we would expect. But they are the very ones God uses. And in the biblical story, to the best of my knowledge, they are the first worshipers of Jesus. Foreigners. Why? Because God's radical love goes beyond nationality or heritage. Church, if I can leave you with one reminder this Christmas, remember that God's love is radical. And He does not love like we love. In fact, His love goes beyond many of the typical barriers that we put up to protect ourselves as we love others. And today, if you're thinking that you're too old or you're too tired in life or you're too washed up to be used by God, let Elizabeth be a reminder to you that God's not through. 
with you. If you're thinking today that you're too young or you're too immature in your faith or you're too inexperienced to be used by God, let Mary be a reminder that God can and will use you right now and then He will grow you from here. Because God's radical love goes beyond age and circumstance. If you're thinking today that you're not worthy of God's love and purpose because you're not popular, you don't seem to fit in, you feel weird in every situation that you face in life, you don't feel like you bring a lot to the table, let the shepherds be a reminder to you that God doesn't just use the popular and the obvious choices. In fact, He often uses those who feel like outcasts because God's radical love goes beyond prestige and popularity. And as you look to the world around us. Do not buy into the culture that tells us to view all other peoples as threats and as the enemy. Because God is not in the business of saving and using nations. He's ultimately in the business of saving and using people regardless of where they live, where they come from, or what flag they fly. We must view the world around us as people in need of a Savior because God's radical love goes beyond nationality or heritage. Church, I can honestly tell you, God's radical love is bigger, it's better, and it's stronger than anything you can imagine. And it is good for us to dwell on His love this Christmas, not just in the coming of Jesus, but in everything. And God's radical love is available for you today. If you've not yet begun following Jesus, we want to help you take that step to have a new look at Christmas this year. If you have questions about how God can save you from the sin that is currently separating you from God through the blood that Jesus shed for you and actually write the relationship with God and you, I'd love to talk with you about it today. So we're going to sing one more series of songs. Um, If you've been waiting for like the Christmas song carol time, it's it's here, okay? The worship team is going to lead us in just a medley of all of your favorites. Um, and, but during that song, please don't get caught up in the Christmassy spirit and just sing and not respond to what we've just talked about. Be reminded that God's radical love today is worth worshiping Him for. And today, before you move on, before you head to all the things you may have this week for Christmas, I don't know what you have going on, but take this moment to worship God for His radical love through singing, through singing these songs or through prayer. You can do that right where you are. You can come down to this place and kneel before this church family and know that they will pray for you. No matter what your need today, and I'll be at the back as well if you need to come talk to me about any decision in your life. But I'm going to pray, and the worship team is going to lead us in this Christmas medley. And so we actually do want you to stand after I pray and sing along with us. But please respond in the way that you need to. Father God, we thank you. God, for your radical love. Because God, I, I try to be a loving man, a loving husband a loving father, a loving friend in my life. But God, I know that God, as we tell our children at home, you love in a way that even I can't. Because your love is bigger and better and stronger than anything we've experienced on this earth. 
And God, I know the people that are here with me right now, God, some of them maybe don't feel loved. God, maybe it's not a challenge to the way they love, but it's it's pushing back into the fact that there's been a lot of people that have hurt them. Maybe this year or in the last few years. God, I pray that they just hear that you love them today. That the hurt that they've experienced from humans won't be the same hurt that they experience from you because you love perfectly. God, we thank you today for your radical love. God, we pray, God, that you would help us to respond with our hearts and with our lives this Christmas and that as December 25th draws near, God, that we would be different people dwelling on your love. It's in Jesus' name I pray. Amen. Guys, let's stand. Let's sing.